stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's senior strategist, Kevin Cook, to celebrate because this is the 200th episode of the Market Edge podcast. Four years of doing this podcast, and we're still here. Thanks to everybody who's been listening, even if you just joined us, or maybe you've been here all four years. That would be amazing if you have been. But it's been a fun ride so far, and we are hoping for you know another four years or more going forward here. But I wanted to uh, you know cover something special on this episode because it is the 200th episode. And so I asked Kevin to join me because I wanted to talk about what are our favorite, uh, basically, investing lessons or investing advice that we've gotten over the years? Kevin and I have both been investing for a couple of decades now. We've been around around for a while, and we've both made mistakes along the way. We've learned from it. Uh, we've seen plunges in the stock market, recessions, all of this stuff going on. And so I thought this would be a good time to share some of what our experiences have been and what we've learned from it and hopefully to pass that along to everybody who's an investor out there. So welcome, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is exciting. 200 episodes. Congratulations. Yeah. That is, uh, you You have been so dedicated to this. You, know, <laughs> you, you kind of knew that the people who were successful with podcasts out there were the ones who were consistent. Yeah. You know, just keep cranking it out and then that's how you build an audience. Yeah. And it's and it's working for you. Yeah. And I think it also helps that we're giving some, you know, good information out there about what's happening in the stock market and with the economy and all of that stuff. Yeah, that I mean people... every time I do a show with you, it's it's always interesting. You yeah. know, we're we're it's it's not you know, it's not like you know listening to the news or some uh, podcast that dredges up the same politics over and over again. We're always talking about some new angle yeah. or, or, or fresh way of looking at the market, investing, psychology. Yeah. So let's get right to it. I, I feel, should we start with you, Kevin, about what your investing yeah, lessons so, are? Yeah. So uh, when you said investing lessons, I thought, yeah, I could, I could write down like 12 rules that investors should follow. Right. But I, I thought to make it more interesting, I wanted to, I wanted to come at it a different way and then I, that I think will be more memorable too. So I came up with four themes that I want people to write write these themes down and then go back to them. Like if you're ever, you don't like write it down somewhere and if, and you, you can ignore them, but go back to them at some point, whether it's a few months from now or even a few years from now, because they will stand the test of time. Okay. So, and I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the quick names for my four themes, uh, right off. Okay. Um, they are Buffett trends, um, planning and ETFs. Okay. And so um, I'll just jump right into Buffett. The, so we know who Warren Buffett is and why, and we, most of us have some idea of why he's a great investor. But again, your, your show here attracts people who are, uh, you may have uh, retirees listening, um, 
you know, who have a different sort of investment outlook or plan. Right. And then you have people who are active investors and traders. Yeah. You might have people uh, in their 20s just getting started. So, For sure. So, but any of us can take a look at what Warren Buffett has done. What, he, what he's done well, successfully, is he just buys companies that he wants to own forever. You know, what right. people ask him, what's your time horizon? Well, forever. You know, right. I, when I buy a company, whether it's Coca-Cola or whatever. Um and he just tries to buy a good business that he likes the cash flows on, and he thinks that those cash flows are going to be returned to him over time. Right. Um, so, when you, whenever you get confused about the market, whether it's because of what some economist is saying on TV, or somebody's talking about recession, or somebody's recommending, you know, stay away from this sector industry, you know, you can always go back to Buffett and just as a model of somebody who just has focused on buying good businesses. Right. Now, but it's not that he doesn't make mistakes. And, th- and there he's a model too, is he'll be the first to tell you right. mistakes he's made. He definitely has. And I just did a podcast on The Value Investor about buying the banks that Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway okay. portfolio owns. And I immediately got these uh, tweets back at me of like, Oh, Buffett, he's made all these mistakes. He bought IBM and then he sold it for a loss, which he did. And then they went on with a couple of the other mistakes he's made. And he doesn't deny any of that. Every single investor would make a mistake. Mm -hmm. No one is going to get it right all the time. But you hope to get it right more than you make the mistakes. And he clearly has. And I haven't looked at how he's done versus the market in the past five years. I think he was kind of flat, maybe underperforming the market. Been underperforming okay. because of the financials. Yeah. So, um, but but just the big idea of of picking you know quality companies that have positive cash flows growing over time in and whether or not they have a moat. I mean, like right. like Coca Cola. You can't say that Coca Cola has a moat because look at all this you know software options out there. But over time, you know, it paid off for him. He likes those brands though. And regarding his mis- mistakes, uh, one of the big the big glaring one you mentioned IBM, but was he, that he avoided technology for so long. Yeah. So he missed a big part of um, of economic driving forces, yeah. which are also market driving forces. As you know, technology has become such a big part of, say, the S and P five hundred. All right. So that's that's my first thing is you can always go back to Buffett and learn something. Okay, but what about like? His, the rest of his investment philosophy that he does have, like he has bought what I consider to be the boring companies always, like the banks mm-hmm. and insurance. I mean, basically, he has made most of his wealth off of insurance. Should I be buying insurance companies? Should I, <laughs> well, I go mean, down that route? I mean, that's his, um, you know, that's his sort of an area of expertise. You know, yeah. first of all, he wants yeah. a margin of safety, so so he's kind of a value. Uh, guy at, at the core, right? And uh, you know, and the whole everybody uh, needs insurance. The whole that's how we yeah. use it, <laughs> exactly. Right? So, so I'm not saying copy what he buys. Okay. What I'm saying is, when you think about investing, and you're teaching it to your children, or your grandchildren. You want to have that long term mentality. Okay. So there are things to be learned from him, not necessarily buy what he buys, right? But his approach to the market, and um, do you so. The two things that stand out, obviously, are what's his time horizon? Forever. Right. And does he ever talk about recessions? No. He's, 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 he looks past anything and says, if I'm going to own this company for 10, 20, 30 years, 
there's going to be recessions. Right? He knows that. Yeah. But he's looking at, um, you know, what does a growing economy like ours, you know, what does it need? Say insurance right. or soft drinks. <laughs> <laughs> we buy insurance in yeah. recessions. That's for sure. Okay. So, so that my 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 first theme is kind of boring, but it it but there are so many lessons to be learned there yeah. for the long haul. You know, like you could go read uh, Ray Dalio's book. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to learn that much about investing. Have you read it? No. It's huge, isn't it? Like six or 700 <laughs> yeah. pages. I've thought about reading it, but then I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know. And, well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> if I don't I don't even know how much he gets into his economic model. But um, his economic, Ray Dalio's economic model is actually kind of complex. Okay. Maybe that's right? why it's whereas, like 700 pages. Yeah, whereas Buffett just says, this is a business I like. Yeah. And I want to invest in this business for a long time. Simple. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's hear some of your lessons. Okay, so one of mine is um, to buy the best and not the second best. Okay. So, and this is for buying the individual stocks. So I, I do. You, I hope you've got some examples. Well, I do have a story. <laughs> the second stock I ever bought, and I was in my early twenties, and I don't remember why I chose this one, but I decided to buy Kmart at the time. This is in like the early nineties. And instead of buying Walmart, which was or was becoming the leader in that field, like so in the early 90s, Sam Walton, I think, was still alive or he had just yeah, yeah. died mm-hmm. or something right around there. There was a he wrote a there was a either a biography he wrote or a memoir or something that had come out. It was a best selling book. Everybody hated Walmart in all of a small town America because it was putting all these mom and pop type of stores out of business and, oh, Walmart, it's, you know, awful and all this. And why I didn't buy Walmart, I don't know, but I bought the number two thinking like, oh, this is just as good. And I ended up losing money on the stock, which I sold five or six years later and instead, I don't know what would have happened if I had owned Walmart from the early 90s, but a lot better things than buying <laughs> the Kmart. So I really learned a good lesson from that is to, when I'm trying to find a, a company in a certain industry, I do look now for those that are the leaders. There is a reason they're the leaders. And, um, you know, why pick the second best if you have choices? Well, I think the trap that some people have fallen into, and I know I have, is you, um, you're looking at the leader. Well, the leader's kind of overpriced, right? Whether, that whether, does happen. Whether on PE or yes. pr- or price of sales, so you're like, oh, I'm going to buy this one because it's cheaper. cheaper. Uh huh. Um, but the the growth momentum isn't there, right? So that was a real real uh, lesson for me. And of course, you know, Walmart is still still the leader, basically. And still out there. And Kmart, well, we won't talk about them. (laughs) (laughs) So number two, trends you had. Yeah, so... What does that mean? So trends, um, I talk about this in several ways. In in 2017, I wrote a... um, For Zach's Confidential, I wrote a special report called The Technology Supercycle. And while there were many arguments to be made about how... um, you know, semiconductors are still cyclical and, um, you know, uh, we, we could go into a recession here. I noticed two things that stood out to me that I really wanted answers for. And the two things were, um, why did it seem like all these new gadgets were making us more productive, whether it was a smartphone or uh, a new tablet, you know, tablets in hospitals um, and, and, the, and the adjoining software? 
and our cars were better and more fuel efficient. It was like so much technology that seemed to make life better and more productive. And yet the government productivity numbers were, were just kind of inching along. Like why, why isn't all this massive explosion of tools and technology, why isn't it reflected in government productivity numbers? And, and basically it's because um, the government is such a big spender and such a low producer that they – um, you know, they just sort of distort the productivity numbers that the government publishes. Whereas if you looked individual, if you drill down into industries and sectors, you see that, um, you know, telecommunications, um, software, obviously, um, uh, you know, anything that's becoming more digital ha- has super high productivity. You know, yeah. the, the, what, what companies are able to do um, it's, it's just amazing. So, so that was the one question I had. And then the other one was, why is there no inflation? Well, because all this technology reduces the cost of everything. You know, right. even if you take out Amazon, which, you know, reduces inflation because it, it, uh, basically destroys other businesses yeah. and lowers the cost to right. zero, you know, for whatever it is, you know, free shipping, um, that, you know, semiconductors, they get smaller, they get faster. They get cheaper, you know. That's that's kind of it's it's kind of the Moore's law has been extended. That um, you know it used to be the Moore's law was that semiconductors would would double in power and shrink by half every eighteen months. I mean th- that effect is sort of still going on. And then software applications and 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 having mobile devices and and Wi Fi um, just uh, makes makes everything cheaper and more productive. So so that's why I said. Regardless, uh, even if the economy was headed towards a recession, we are still in this big upward swing with technology, and it's just going to keep going. So, so those are the trends that I wanted people to focus on. And okay. then, um, you know, so that's kind of technology specific. But then here at Zach's, I also started a healthcare portfolio, Healthcare Innovators, which where I identify the mega trends there, like yeah. an aging population needing more care. Um, and then the explosion of science, you know, so those two areas alone, healthcare and technology, I mean, the, there are, you know, books being written about, um, you know, the, the singularity, like when do we get to the point where a, a computer can think like a human brain or they merge, um, you know, that stuff is coming 30, 40, 50 years from now, um, a, as well as gene editing. So this stuff is changing the world so fast. Um, it, it's created a pace of change that I don't think people are used to. So if you if you look at those trends, you want to somehow be invested in them. But and how do I do that? Exactly. Even if you can't pick the <laughs> stocks, well, well, my I feel uh, overwhelmed already. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my, when I was over, I'll tell you about a time I was overwhelmed. Okay. I was overwhelmed in March of two thousand nine. And okay. for anybody who's been an investor around That's for a while, not a good date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in March of two thousand nine, I was actually working for a firm who asked me to go on television for them. I had done some okay. video for the work for them, but I was going to go on television and recommend stocks. Which which TV? Uh, the the channel was uh, Fox Business. Okay. And um so and, I could have seen you. I would have turned it on during yeah, the worst Yeah, it, it was the it was the actually crash. the week that the market bottomed, but nobody knew that at the time, right? Wow. That 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 was the market bottom, the week of March 9th. And the producer said you have you have to come with stock picks. Okay. I'm like, okay, great. The market's melting down again. Well, this is a lesson right there. Yeah, and this was and this was after all the um, 
the government measures, you know, right. whether it was TARP or whatever to bail out the banks and Warren Buffett was buying. They had bailed out yeah. the autos by Warren, then. Bu- Warren Buffett was buying the banks and they were still going down. Yeah. Right. And so you were like, what? And so I said, you know what? I'm not going to recommend specific stocks. I and I, But I okay. said, I'll give you two things to buy today that I'm completely confident will be higher and they were ETFs. Okay. And one was the XLK, which is the technology sector. And the okay. other was the Nasdaq Biotechnology Index. Um the symbol there is IBB. Okay. Which is the ETF that represents the Nasdaq Biotechnology Index. And I said, I'm confident that these things will be higher. Maybe I I can't tell you where they'll be 2 months from now, but I think 2 years from now they'll be higher and 20 years from now they're going to be a lot higher. Okay, so if I had seen you on Fox Business that day, I use March 9th, 2009 as an example, because I did look this up, because you mentioned this before we started recording mm-hmm. the podcast. And if I had seen you and decided, okay, I'm, I'm following his advice, I'm going all in on these two ETFs, the XLK now, um, just over 10 years later, is up 392%. Versus 251% for the S&P 500. And because it mimics the tech area, um, it's just equal to what the NASDAQ has done in that time too, which is up 392% as well. And then I looked up the IBB, that's the biotech one, and that one is also up 391%. Oh, wow. They're that close. Yeah. So almost (laughs) the same. But the IBB, and I do remember this from a couple of years ago, that was super hot out of the lows and um, soared by 2015. It was up 484% there by 2015 before it now has come back down and is now kind of moving sideways. Yeah, we had a little bit of a bubble there. Yes, (laughs) yes, a lot of people said that. So, well, this is a good question. What do you think of the IBB now that it's been moving sideways for four years? Um, Yeah, I mean... To buy it for the long term, yeah. for sure. Okay. For sure you want to own it for the long term. So now, now is a great time. And I pick stocks within it. And, you know, I want to um, back up here a second. So we talked about Buffett, and then I talked about trends and ETFs. The, the thing I left out was um, if, you know, studying companies like Warren Buffett does or like you and I do, we, yeah. st- we study a company, we learn all we can about it, we listen to conference calls, we read articles, we go, on the w- we go on the company website and look at their presentations, we read analyst reports, you know, we dive in and we want to understand the business, whether it's uh, like a company that I've studied a lot lately is Square, um, you know. and, and They're going to be reporting. Yeah, they yeah. report tomorrow and how they serve small businesses. I think yeah. that's sort of a revolution, but Wall Street is really soured on the stock because they think that everything Square is doing is going to be copied. Um, and, and I've kind of differed. I, I thought, well, I think once Square, it, it's, a, it's an ecosystem. And once they once a, uh, a small business owner opts into that ecosystem, I don't think they'll leave. Now, I could be wrong. But still, I spend my time getting to know the company or NVIDIA that makes the artificial intelligence chips you know, or CRISPR. But if you don't want to, if you don't love the homework of getting to know a company, then yeah, picking stocks is is really isn't for you. And so you should do something like the the simplest way to invest is just be invested in the S and P five hundred by an index right. fund or a mutual fund. Yeah. But what what we just showed you here with when you get sector specific and you want to buy long term mega trends like technology XLK yeah. or biotech IBB then you can actually outperform the S&P 500 right. because 
you've capitalized on a big trend. So does this go to your number four ETFs? Are we kind of talking we'll, about that at we'll, the moment? No, or we'll, do we come back we'll to that? We'll come back to that. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll dive in a little deeper. Okay. So my next lesson is you don't have to buy IPOs. <laughs> I feel like I get this tweeted at me all the time. Like I have to buy it and I have to buy it right when it launches yeah, or else gonna, I'm going to miss out. Yeah. It's going it, to, it's going to go up 10 times. Yeah. It's going to be the next Amazon. I could have been a millionaire if only I had bought it. And I feel like bringing up Buffett again, a good example of why you don't have to buy IPOs, at least not, not immediately when it launches is Berkshire Hathaway. They recently in, uh, just bought Amazon shares, and it's over 20 oh, right. years later. Yeah. <laughs> it went IPO 20 years ago, but yeah. yet they just got in it. And I feel like with these good types of companies, it's never too late. I mean, look at yeah. McDonald's. And, and Apple. He bought Apple. Yes, so, that was well yeah. after so that fin- IPO. Finally, he brought in you know, some younger people, because he's got to, there's got to be a, a succession, you know, that right. he's got to hand right. over the throne at some point. So he's brought in younger research analysts, and they're, they've probably been needling him for a while. We really have to buy Apple. We, sh- we should buy Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he didn't seem too pleased about the Amazon buy. He didn't really want to talk about it oh, at the last okay. like That's shareholder right. meeting. Yeah, because of the the, co- the price that they had to pay to get in on that one. He does love Apple, however, and they kept adding to that position while the shares were still I mean, cheap. Amazon is perfect for him, though, because they have so much cash. I mean, doesn't he have over $100 billion cash now? In Amazon? No, 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 no. Uh, oh, he Buffett. does. Yeah, yes, yeah. 128 So, so he, can't buy, he can't go around buying small companies. No. You know, so Amazon's right. perfect for him. Yeah, right. I've mentioned that many times on the podcast that he's kind of restricted to the big caps. But you could buy some of these smaller IPOs, you know, years from now if, you know, when you do your homework and figure out what's going on with those businesses, you don't have to rush out to buy them. But everybody thinks they have to be in like IPOs. (laughs) So that's one of my lessons. No, you do not have to buy it. Okay. So turning back to yours, planning. Okay. Planning is my third theme. When um, the, there's so much noise out there, like if you watch CNBC for a few hours every day <laughs> or, or a few times a week, you could actually come away a lot more confused because you're going to hear you you're going to hear different types of investors with different time frames, different yeah. agendas, different conflicts, yeah. you know, all telling you something. Um, you know, macro analysts telling you, oh, the recession is coming, whatever, and. You have to make sure you come back to the theme of that that you're planning for yourself, and and there's many ways to go about that. You could have you could set up a five year plan for your investing, but still modify it every quarter if you want to. And so you know you're gonna you're gonna try and answer questions like, okay, what's my savings rate? How much am I putting away? And what different buckets does it go into? Do I you know am I putting Fifty percent in an index mutual fund. Um, am I putting some in an ETF, and then am I having a little bit on the side where I can be a stock picker if I want to? So those are all kinds of questions that you have to answer. And you know, what are your goals? Obviously, it's different for every age person, you know, and um, in in their time horizon. Yeah. And then there's nothing wrong with getting advice. I mean, there's there's a ton of good advice out there, and and some of the some of the better firms are creating online modules, you know, where they walk you through, you know, finding out where you are in your investing life stages right? and, and help you make those kind of decisions. And you can uh, sometimes work 
with an advisor who, you know, there's no fee. Um, right. You know, they're going to help you manage your money. That there's, there, you know, there's a time to have those kind of conversations. And so, but, so planning is so important when you get confused and then you go back to your plan and say, okay, you know, what am I trying to accomplish here? Um, and again, you can change it every quarter if you want to, or, yeah. or once a year, but to know that, that you're in charge and that some things should be set and forget. Some things are, you know, what, do I have an automatic payroll deduction that goes right into, you know, that when, when I started doing that with a 401k in 1995, it was like revolutionary for me. It was yeah. like, wow, just look at all that grow. You know, it just, I just keep putting it away. I don't look at it. I don't think about it. And once it starts building, you don't want to touch it. That's right. right. One time I did, uh, I think I, um, in 1997, when I bought my first house, I did borrow from it. Okay. But then, then I vowed never to do that, do right. that again. Right. You know? We all <laughs> learned this. Now, what did you think when we had the financial crisis and stocks kept going down, down, down? Were you still putting into a 401k at yeah, that oh yeah. time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Were you able to do it? Because I kept putting it in to mine as well. But after like three or four months of that devastation, I still kept putting it in. But I, and I admitted this before on the podcast, I stopped putting it into stocks and I went only into all cash because oh, okay. literally every, every time I put money in, it was wiped out. Yeah. And so I just psychologically couldn't handle seeing that even though I should know better. <laughs> when you say, that, was that going into an index fund? Yes, okay. just regular mutual mm -hmm. funds. And so I went into, I still put it in, but I went into cash instead. I left everything else. I didn't sell anything. And then, then it was the bottom. That was basically in March <laughs> oh, right. of, of 2009 because I just psychologically couldn't handle it anymore. Well, but, one way that I sort of gave myself um, like an, I don't want to say an edge, but just a, a, a marker in time was that I was buying on the way down in 2008 okay. and I, and I had a, I had a chunk of cash and I bought it like S and P 1200 thinking this thing's going to bottom soon at S and P wow. 1200. <laughs> and what did it go to? Six, six, yeah. six. <laughs> wow. So, so, you know, I looked at that 1200 and I go, this will be back. You know, it's like, the, yeah. what, what's the worst I'm going to do here? You know, because well, if, this is where the plan comes in too. If if it's in like a retirement and you your retirement isn't for twenty or thirty more years, I should hope it's going to be back to there eventually. Right. But it is hard to counter yeah. those psychological. Well, and that and that brings issues. up a really good point that 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 should almost always be a lesson when you know your time horizon. You know, when you know this is you can call it ten year money or twenty year money. Yeah. You, then your stress level should reduce. It should. And you go, this this is going to grow. The right. worst thing I can do is sell at the lows. That's right. Um, and you and I have talked about this before when when the market was really volatile. You know, we've 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 yes. had, we've done some podcasts where I'm like, okay, you just have to have a plan. If if uh, if the right. market is in a big correction here, you have if you have a plan for, I'm comfortable with what I own now. And the and, and you make a wish list of all the stuff you want to buy right. on the lows, then you sleep at night while other people are going, oh my gosh, what do I do? Right, right. No, this is good. Um, okay. So my other lesson is um, kind of similar to this, 
what we've been talking about, but it's to have some funny money on the side. And I feel like for me, I've been able to invest in some of the riskier things that might not be like what Warren Buffett would buy <laughs> uh, because it's in this smaller account on the side that's not my retirement. And if something blows up in there or the company doesn't do what I think it's going to do, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And that makes investing fun for me. So a good example of that is, and I get asked this question a lot, I actually own some shares of Funko in that account. And the ticker is <laughs> FNKO. And they make these pop culture... How appropriate for your funny money account. Right, to be in Funko, yeah. They make these pop culture, basically toys and like board games now. And it's a growth stock. It's been a little more expensive, but it's come down again. I've owned it for over a year now, I think. And um, it doesn't pay a dividend. It's a small cap. And now it's trading at 12 times. But I used, used to get asked, like, that's not a value stock, Tracy. <laughs> but that's why it's in that funny money kind mm -hmm. of account, because it isn't in my normal wheelhouse, because I do like to buy value. But I just happen to like the model of that company as well. And now that it's trading at like 12 times, now it is more in my wheelhouse. I'm looking at it again. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll add some more shares. But yeah, I feel like something I've learned over all the years is to have one of these smaller side accounts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I I kind of don't like when people call it funny money because then it sort of implies, oh, I could just lose like, it. Like going cares? to Vegas, yes. right? That, like that's funny. It's not total gambling. Yeah, that's but... funny money when you go to Vegas, yeah. you know. But this is more um, what you would call, um, you know, the opposite of risk averse. Your your risk, you have risk appetite, yeah. right? You're yeah. willing to you're willing to take chances. I'm going out of my comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. Some of those. <laughs> and so, and in that sense, it can be fun and it can be educational, especially if it forces you to learn about companies. Yeah, if you enjoy that. Okay, so now we're at your fourth, the ETFs. Yeah, so I want I wanted to, uh, even though I talked a lot about ETFs under the trends uh, theme, um, I think ETFs needs to always be its own theme, so that people okay. so that people remember that you're you're looking at trends, and that can be a whole research project for you. What you see in the economy longer term, and how technology is changing the world, whether we like it or not. Um, but then ETFs are the vehicles, and and you know, I, I I just wrote down a note like, oh, this is what I wanted to say. Making investment decisions can be hard. You know, even if you have a plan, you're going to reach junctures where, you know, you got people screaming at you that the recession is coming. Right. Or that, um, you know, uh, some Democrat is going to raise the wealth tax to 90% right. or something. And it's all going to crash. Yeah. I keep seeing that yeah. like 50%. Yeah, how many crash. yeah, how many people how many like Leon Cooperman and somebody yeah. else have said, "Oh, the stock market is going to drop 50% right. if uh if we get a socialist <laughs> regime or something." <laughs> right. So so all that noise can be confusing and yeah. it makes your decisions harder. But ETFs are simple, just like in March of 2009 yeah. when I said, "I am 100% confident to tell anybody that you can buy these two ETFs now, today, put them away, don't worry about them. So the and ETFs do that for you because they're a basket of stocks. They're not, they don't have company specific risk. Right. And then, if one blows yeah. up in there, there's enough other ones not to and I, and I blow just, up everything. We have an ETF. Hopefully. We have an ETF portfolio here um, that is uh, still managed by Nina, right? We do. Yes. 
just making sure that, yes, Nina is still our... Uh, ETF investor. Yeah, ETF it? investor. And I'm just looking at some of the, the big winners in here. Like in September of 2016, she went and bought uh, an ETF for semiconductors. Okay. The, the iShares Semiconductor ETF, symbol SOXX. And up 110%. Um, okay. In three years. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, that's the power, again, the yeah. power of ETFs. Yeah. And she went very specific here. I, yes. I said buy XLK a long time ago, and you would still want to buy it on dips. She went deeper into tech, into an industry, semiconductors, and, and has done fantastic. Isn't and, that the beauty of the ETFs is you can do these very niche Yes. Areas. Yes. There's tons. I mean, I, I'm just looking at her portfolio. She has. I mean, how many I, does she own? Oh my gosh, her? she might have 25 ETFs yeah. here. Yeah. So she, a lot of niches here. Yeah. And just looking at like the top 10, uh, all have returns of 20 percent or greater. Okay. Um, and she's got she's got some lengthy holding periods here, 2016, 2017 in in her top 10. So. Um, I'll just name one other. I think she's got um, she's got a retail ETF. Wow, she, um, that's there, there might be a dividend payer or a real estate one in here. Yeah, but and the other thing that ETFs do for you is they let you sleep at night. You right. don't have the company. You're not going to wake up and find out um, accounting fraud right. <laughs> takes the stock down fifty yes, percent. CEO um, right. fired. Oh, they've got a restate earnings. Yeah, yeah. CEO leaves. <laughs> CEO sends um, out weird tweet. <laughs> bad earnings. Bad earnings report. You're never gonna have right. the twenty percent down day. Right, but you also don't get the other sure. direction either, which some people like. They mm -hmm. want to be able to find that lottery stock that sees the big, so, like the Biogen announcement. So, yeah. so what I'm saying is, you don't put all your money in ETFs, but right. you learn how to use them. Yeah. And from your own experience, you will learn that. Um, wow, this has been a safe way to invest and grow my money over five, ten years or longer. Yeah. And um, you know, and the the and especially if you dollar cost average into them, you know, just like if you have a plan to say, I'm going to put this much money in this ETF every quarter. Right. You know, and you can do that now in mm -hmm. most of the trading accounts. So that's easy. And I want to say my. Um, if I had five themes, okay. My fifth. Wait, there's a surprise fifth. My one? fifth theme would be, um, I never talked about recession as part of this, right? Recession, That's right. recession, recession is not one of the themes. So who cares? Who cares exactly about any of that? They happen, right? So they do. Economic cycles happen, and the stock market will have its own cycle intertwined with the economic cycle. Um, I'm, but, al I'm always reminded of certain companies that have been around forever, like a Sherwin-Williams, which does paint. And literally, they've been in business, I don't even, I didn't look it up, but at least 100 years, I want to say. And think about all the recessions and even a Great Depression and everything else, all the wars, assassination attempts, various presidents, political parties, everything in that amount of time. And they're still out there just right. doing their business. And we're not saying that they're recession proof no. because they certainly aren't. Right. Um, but, Nobody is. Yeah. I just looked up the stock here. Um, yeah. In 2016, it was uh, trading like 
225 bucks you could have bought it for, and it's 563 now. I know. I, I really <laughs> wanted to buy it a couple of years ago, and I was like, I'm going to wait till it gets cheaper, and it never really has. So I still don't own that one. But I do like looking at these companies that have such a long history mm-hmm. because they have been through basically everything. And they, well, in Sherwin-Williams' case, they've come out a winner in their industry. That's one of the ones, if you bought one of the winners, they yeah. ultimately... And- and you don't, you do not own it, right? I do not. Yeah. So here's a good example of Tracy and I are not gloating over big winners. No, we, we don't have this one. And I wish I did. And in a, in a you know, th- there's a there's an old saying that in a bull market, everyone looks like a genius, right? Because stocks go up. But you know what? There's been some trying times here. The, you know, the 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 market went sideways basically for a year and a half with a lot of volatility. Yeah. Semiconductors went way down, and then they've rocked rocked up to new highs. Yeah. Um, and, and this so, is not a tech stock, right? Right. Sure. So there's, there's, um, you know, there's still homework to be done. The, 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 one of the big tailwinds, obviously we can't ignore the elephant in the room is the federal reserve monetary policy matters. So what you hear the old guy say is don't fight the fed. Well, clearly monetary policy and liquidity are on the side of investors. And as the fed has cut rates and will stay easy because they want inflation. So this is still a good time to be an investor. Yeah. There's always a good time to yeah. be an investor. Exactly. Yeah. Longer term, we don't even talk about recession. Right? And and you're going to hear people on TV, you know, talking about the 2020 recession. They've actually had to pipe down a little bit now. They have. Since, since it's gone away. Since we've broken out to new highs. I know. And the Fed is uh, is steady. So you're going to hear that again. It's going to come up. Maybe it's maybe it gets delayed for soon. A few we're going to hear the 2021. Yeah, because of the election or something, <laughs> right? Right. And, right. But if you're if you're picking quality companies and you're buying ETFs, um, with five year or ten year money, it doesn't matter. Right. The noise okay. doesn't matter. Block out the noise. Yeah. Good advice. Well, thank you for being here on the 200th episode, and I hope. I hope you're here. I should have you back on for the 400th episode. <laughs> Sounds good. Might be a number of years. You might have to be waiting, but um, this was fun. So yeah, let's recap the stocks and ETFs we talked about because there were quite a few on this episode. So we had the tech ETF, the, the XLK, and we had the biotech ETF, IBB. We mentioned Amazon, AMZN. We mentioned Apple, AAPL. Uh, Funko is FNKO. We mentioned Square, SQ, and Sherwin Williams is SHW. And we had the SOX ETF, SOXX, which is the semiconductors. And I also mentioned NVIDIA. Oh, yeah. Because of their parallel processing chips, they're actually extending Moore's Law. Moore's Law oh. sort of leveled off yes. in the past few years. It's being reaccelerated because of what of just the the computing power that they're getting out of this parallel processing chips. Okay, that's NVDA if you don't already know that one. And you want to be sure to subscribe so you get all of our future episodes so you don't miss a single thing here at the Market Edge because we're always bringing you whatever's happening on the stock market. And you can get us on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify and, of course, on SoundCloud. But be sure to get us someplace, and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. 
This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.